Hey guys, welcome to the 10th episode of the Knives Templars podcast. Three, two, one, zero, zero. You're listening to the Knives Templars. Uh, Odysseer, you got a lot to talk about tonight? A little bit. A little bit? Eric, Eric, you got a little bit to talk about? Oh yeah, plenty. Yeah, How how about you Mr. Rich? Oh, I have not a lot to talk about, but a lot to listen to. Oh, I bet you do have a lot to talk about. I uh, This is a great episode because um, not only is it number 10, and I'm quite excited about that. That just means we're 90 away from uh, 100, which puts us in about four or five years we'll be there. <laughs> but uh, unless we decide to pick up the pace. But, 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 but we're starting... Uh, uh, a new uh, a new segment, and we'll get into it a little bit later. But we are starting what we're going to be calling the Knives Templars Makers Mark uh, interviews, and it's going to be our opportunity to meet with makers not only in the United States but really around the world because the internet opens us opens us up to that. Uh, and we're going to want to talk to uh, hobbyists, uh, experienced makers, people that do this for a living. People that are wanting to learn and people are wanting to share. So I'm looking forward to uh, uh, me and the team bringing that to you tonight. And uh, again, if I haven't already said it, it's being brought to you with our friends over at PopsKnife.Supplies or PopsKnifeSupplies from over in Georgia who does a lot of great work supporting our community. So uh, as we get started, one other thing to say, uh, Joey Terrio is out getting a a plane that is stuck at an airport. uh, into a hangar, I believe. I think he had to take some towbot parts over. And uh, Chris Jones is not with us tonight because he's got something exciting. He's uh, got a son that's uh, uh, achieving Eagle Scout rank this summer, and they're doing a lot for that. So that's a lot, lot, lot to be uh, respected. It's really neat, um, the people we associate with in this this uh, love of knife making that we got and some of the things they do. I haven't really met a bad person yet, so... Anyway, I'm chatting. I'm Chip Carlisle, and I welcome you guys to the show. Rich, what have you been up to, buddy? I have been spring cleaning like crazy. I have not been in the shop doing much of anything. I don't know if it's the heat, but I know I got a lot of stuff to do in the house where the AC is. So uh, I'm looking to get back back into the shop and, and putting some more stuff out. Uh, maybe the end of next week because the wife is going out of town with the kids so i'm gonna be nuts um so yeah so i can't wait to get back out here and actually get some stuff done you got the house to yourself i'll have the house and the kids to myself ah so your your wife's taking off on a trip and and you well the only thing is i mean i you know do they know that song we are santa's elves (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) you have to teach it to them and just set up a little production line Right, right. <laughs> get him a get him a junior grinder. All right. How's the weather been out there in uh, in Colorado? Oh shoot, it's been warm, and uh, t- yesterday it's been like up in the nineties. I think it, it's like ninety oh, ninety seven, and I think we got like a one hundred two, maybe a few days back. But um, I'm looking forward to cool down a little bit, but I don't think that's going to be happening. Um, well, where you're at in the valley, you get the the uh, weather that comes off the mountains, and you get that hot air coming down, don't you? Yeah, and it's a mixed bag as it is there because, you know, as soon as the storms, you know, as soon as we hit the mountains there, who knows where it's going from that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I saw uh, the weather from uh, Yellowstone and it was snowing there this morning when I got up. So it was, All right, you, know, right. you know, it was 
100 here when I got up this morning, but it was snowing in Yellowstone. So, Well, good, man. I'm glad. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, we, we're going to mm-hmm. be talking a little bit about Blade Show today, and I know you were there with us in spirit. But uh, I'm looking forward. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Mr. Rivers, how's the uh, how's the new shop? I saw you uh, were blacksmithing on the new uh, concrete pad the other day. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to go ahead and at least do a little something, so I created a little windbreak for myself and oh. tried to block some of the, the wind from the, the burner for the forge and then did a little bit of work on a leaf spring knife, and I'm really excited about this Gorilla's one. It's going to be a, a fun one. Eric is uh, Eric's going full robot on us. Hey, Eric, turn off your video a little bit. Let's see if that helps bring you back. Let's see here. How does that make Looking at there. Hey, Eric, I hear that you have – that <laughs> sounds wonderful. I hear uh, – I've seen you out – as where we were, how you say what I mean, you were uh, blacksmithing on the, uh, on the new concrete pad I saw, open air, open air forge. Yeah, it was, uh, I was out there doing some work. I wanted to go ahead and uh, actually use the forge and do a little bit of forging. And it wasn't going to work out a ton for me to be able to forge the profile that I wanted to do, but I figured you know I could at least forge the leaf spring flat, center it up, and make everything look good on it. But uh, I, I wish that I could have actually forged it out, but... With the wind blowing over the Venturi burner, it makes a real consist or inconsistent flame. So it, it just wasn't working. The the forge was sputtering a lot, and it just was it was going to be crappy. So uh, I didn't want to waste all the propane trying to to make this thing happen. So I figured I would just forge it flat, get the the taper for the distal taper centered, and then get everything done by stock removal and. Uh, that knife's turning out absolutely awesome. It's it's got some of the stuff that I that I was able to kind of take away from the the knife show that we went to at Blade. So I mean I, I'm I'm excited about it because I, I've wanted to put some of these these things these cool things that we saw at Blade Show and uh, put those into you know motion and actually try them out. So. I'm doing. I'm gonna do a lot of that on the knife that is going on with the Shop Talk Tuesday. So, y'all will see that progress. But I will be buying the wood, the rest of it, for the main shop this weekend, and I'm gonna start building it this week, yeah. and uh, get it set up. So, did you the uh, win the lottery or something? <laughs> no, no. Luckily, I already had the the budget <laughs> set aside for it. So, uh, at least for all the wood and the siding and the roof and stuff like that. But I'm, uh, I'm nixing part of it initially. It's about that Starlink. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we, we're hearing Eric break up a little bit, but, uh, I will tell you that he's coming through 100% on his side. So just fill in the blanks when you hear a blank. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the, the the good old being in the middle of Texas and weather being ridiculous. Uh, but, no, nah, it, it should be, the, the shop should be coming along very soon. And, uh, and everything's going to be nice. And I am getting different internet. So, at least uh, it'll make recording these podcasts a little bit easier. 
That's about right. That's, <laughs> that's one. So you're actually going to upgrade to the don. You're going to upgrade to the donkey generator instead of the uh, hamster one you got right now. No. Okay. So <laughs> this whole entire time, I've uh, you know, I've had internet at my house forever, and I've had internet set up forever. And whenever I initially got the internet, it was the top tier of the internet. Now it's evidently the bottom tier uh, because they've upgraded so many different things. So. Now I've got to pay like a hundred dollars a month for internet in order to get, you know, good internet, which is ridiculous to me. Well, you want to pay, you want to pay, you have to play. You want to play, you have to pay. I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Yep. I, I my my internet was always dictated by how fast my sons wanted to play video games, so <laughs> it didn't matter to me. <laughs> but now that I've I've got the podcast, you know, I'm. I've got the uh, rocket car of, of internet so that it and and my sons are home this weekend from uh, um, visiting for Father's Day and I told them both in the next two hours uh, one's married and one's getting married soon but I told them I said stay off of my internet for the next two hours <laughs> don't mess up my podcast so there you go so yeah I uh, speaking of, you know the cost of wood and everything I know that this is just a wonderful time to build a new structure but I tell you what I can't wait to see uh see your new building built so otis here what's going on in uh what's going on over there in maryland these days besides the heat and the humidity yeah same old man just working working uh got through a couple of knives this week beautiful too i've seen some and, nice shapes um, i have another one in the oven right now doing the second uh temper cycle yeah um just happy that we were able to make all the way up to Georgia, and I uh, got to meet you and Eric there. So, yeah, good to go. You got Other your hug. That, you, just you, making people happy, keeping their road safe. You got your hug, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good hug. Yeah, it was a good hug. Yeah. All you need to do is uh, finish uh, painting your beard all white and look like Santa. Will be a nice hug. Yeah, right. no, I'm trying to I'm trying to lose that weight. I think I was bloated because of COVID. You already got the belly, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I feel my pain. No, actually, um, I have lost seven pounds since that, and oh. uh, and uh, I'm I'm on the road to recovery. It's called getting outside and doing some work instead of sitting on your rear end all the time. Yeah, due to your uh, <clears throat> no. Cafe due, to the, uh, due to the uh, fufu that you get or, or what? I don't know. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it for sure. I, um, you know, so what we're alluding to, we're all coming off a blade show. And uh, this was my first blade show. Um, and uh, I followed it online last year and saw some of the videos and such. And I will tell you, what an exciting event. Even And, and so when I was there, I was feeling uh, a little verklempt. Um, and, uh, not feeling all that well, but I wasn't associating it with anything. I figured it was allergies or whatever. So, uh, I decided to walk around blade show coming down with COVID and the uh, Tuesday after uh, blade show, I spent the next week or so feeling pretty bad and I, uh, I'm doing all right now, but, uh, man, what an event. And not only did I get to see, uh, Eric Rivers and, and Otis Pinto and give you both COVID hugs probably, I, um, uh, got to meet uh, your family and uh, share dinner with you and see a bunch of knives that I could only envision trying to make at this point in my life. Such such a beautiful, beautiful craftsmanship there. 
Yeah, it, it was something. It, it was my first show as well. Um, I had no idea what to expect, right? Uh, I told my wife, even on the way down there, in even at the line outside before we, we were able to get in, said, I hope I don't regret driving 11 hours to come here and wait in line and do all of this little jugglings and stuff to get in there and I hope I don't regret coming but let me tell you man it was amazing yeah it was absolutely amazing my mind was blown the moment I put my foot inside the door I was like holy cow all my doubts went world. away and I'm gonna tell you something man three days only not enough Okay, not enough to see everything there. Your head, yeah. I mean, they got to do like a, uh, you know, four or five days uh, blade show, man, because three days is not enough. Well, let me ask you this, because I don't want to lose train of thought. The um, the antler, uh, I forget, it was the antler and the resin that you purchased while you were there. Are you incorporating, you know, it was, it was cut, uh, not, not the length of the antler, but crossways. I think Eric may have got some too. Are you incorporating that into any of the current knives you're making? No, it was, uh, I got giraffe bone, not antler. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, gentleman from overseas. Yeah, that's Eric's holding up a piece of okay, it Okay, right yeah, now. yeah, that one. Oh, that that's one, yeah. a pretty piece, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about what I'm going to do with that yet. Oh, beautiful, beautiful piece of material. So, yeah, I was kind of hoping, but I'm, uh, we'll see when it pops out. What I, uh, we all got, you know, we're going to talk about our favorite things with, with, uh, with Blade Show, but you're exactly right. Um, you know, it's the same few big, huge rooms, but I just keep wanting to go back to the same tables and relooking. And if I hadn't have been feeling down in the, you know, feeling bad, um, I would have uh, probably been more enthusiastic and, and, you know, spent more time on the floor. But, um, I tell you what, you're right. It's a place you could just about spend a week at because it's more than just looking at stuff. It's relationships and talking with people and, and just, you know. Oh, yeah. You, you all know. the people, all the people that you get to meet and talk to. Yeah. It was amazing. I, I can't uh, really put into words other than amazing, right? It was amazing. The uh, level of craftsmanship that I saw from the uh, lowest beginners all the way to top masters. I yeah. was able to hold a Kyle Royer knife in my hand, a value of $10,000 on that knife, and it's absolutely flawless, right? And I could see, man, it's, it's like, you have to go. If you like knives, if you like uh knife making or anything on that sort swords yeah that's the place to go definitely should make a plan for uh next one uh, with, without a doubt um the uh i can sum it up into one sentence you can take a picture of it but you're never going to be able to make it <laughs> <laughs> eric eric uh, eric had something to say about You're that right. with his uh sharp talk you better believe it. That, that was that was funny. That was uh, we heard that a few times while you were there. <laughs> the, but, the funniest uh, part was you, uh, uh, you, uh, you telling them each time. 
I, you know, he's another thing to do this to help that him. I got to see was one of my uh, classmates uh, from uh, from Brazil. Yeah. And um, I'm happy to say that all the knives she brought, she was able to sell it. On the second day, by the end of Saturday, she was sold out. And uh, I saw that knife from uh, from afar. I recognized the style, the signature of the, uh, the, 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 the blade style, and I had to go look. And my wife and I, we were talking in Portuguese, and... The, this lady who is the, the, the maker, she heard us talking and then she started talking to me in Portuguese as well. So we started, you know, exchanging, you know, a, a little bit of a conversation there. Turns out we have the same uh, master. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I, we took a picture together. I had her knife. I saw the picture, And she yeah. had my knife. And from uh, you know you you can't really tell the, too much of a difference between the blades you know because it's the same style got right. the same um, DNA so to speak going on it, it was really cool meeting a, a classmate well I'm, I have to say this so I don't forget I, I received a knife while I was there <clears throat> one of the nicest knives I've, I own and uh, I want to publicly thank you Otis here um, one of the reasons I was attracted to uh, you as a, a friend on Facebook uh, was the beauty of your knives. And I walk into Blade Show, and the first thing you do is pull out a buoy and point it at me and go, here, it's yours. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I uh, know Eric got a knife as well, but it's such a treasured piece, such a beautiful piece. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you should have come, Matthew. You got, you got I, I a wish. Pinto knife. So right. It was, it was Maybe nice. next time. Nice. <laughs> Maybe next time. Hey, um. I, uh, I just want to take an opportunity here and recognize our friends over at Lansky Knife Sharpening. Um, while I was at the show, I got to talking to them, and I told them that on our um, um, my podcast uh, as well as YouTube and also on uh, all of my knife instructions, uh, I always recommend uh, a Lansky uh, sharpener uh, in a particular model to anybody that's buying one of my knives and they were so gracious uh they gave me a shirt and actually ended up giving me a three stone uh sharpening system while i was there and uh more than anything i just want to thank them for supporting me and supporting us and making a good product for since 1979 80 um 78 maybe i've used them since i was a kid and uh i want everybody here to realize that you can run out to lansky.com and uh, you must uh, take a look from uh you must have been back from the 40s then if you were using it since you were a kid. Yeah, I hear you. Watch it. I was, uh, but, but go to Lansky.com and check out all they have to offer because I tell you what, sharp is sharp. And uh, whether you're a hobbyist or whether you're uh, making knives, uh, uh, they will do a, a great job for you. Lansky.com. I bet Eric Rivers, he wants to talk about that knife he received at Blade Show too. Yeah, we'll see if uh, <laughs> he's practicing how that much... freeze frame. Yeah, so I would say I was really, uh, really not expecting anything like that, and I was really appreciative of it. Um, I mean, it, it's pretty awesome being able to get something like that, and just uh, especially whenever you're not expecting it, and then to get one of those beautiful knives like you did, like you gave me. 
Uh, I got to show it off on the the kind of Shop Talk Tuesday video I did talking about Blade Show, and uh, I, I will appreciate that knife for a very long time. Whenever I get knives as gifts, it is just something else, especially whenever it's made by someone that I respect and someone that I, you know, I know puts a lot of time and effort and work into what they make. So, I mean, that's just, to me, that's going to be one of my biggest collector's items, and I will cherish it for a really long time. So I appreciate that. And uh, I'll tell you, I can't well, wait Otis to get into this stuff. I'm going to interrupt you because o Otis here and I are a little upset because you brought a knife to the show uh, that had this beautiful antler uh, butt on the end of it and uh, wood, and it was just gorgeous. And you showed it to us like you were going to let us fight over it, and then you put it back in your bag. Uh, we just don't <laughs> think that was fair. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. I'm going to tell you this, though. Uh, we will... I I really actually like this whole aspect of it, and I'm pretty sure that uh, each time we go to a show and we're there together, I'm going to do some sort of gift exchange type thing with y'all because I thought that that was awesome. And I, Again, I, re I really appreciate it, and it's not something that I expected. So I was, it was a very pleasant surprise, and I really do appreciate it. I, I can see it now. This is Chip Carl saying, oh, gosh, I forgot to make a knife. Pull over at that shell station. Let me grab something real quick. I'll get one for everybody. <laughs> no, man. No, I, I, I gave it those two knives, one for you, one for Chip, is because, like I said, I respect you guys. I, I really was looking forward to, uh, to meeting everybody there. And uh, luckily... Only two of you went, otherwise I would have been out of luck because I only had two to give away, <laughs> right? And, uh, or so, there would have yeah. been a knife fight. Yeah, it would have been a knife fight, you know. Just put it on the floor and, uh, okay, the four of you fight for those two. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, uh, ain't nothing to it, man. It's just like, you know, you, you give it uh, without thought of getting something back in return. It's not what I do, uh, you know the things that I do okay um, some of the knives that I made I gave it to one of my son's um, counselor two of them actually two counselors uh, you know I, I just okay as a, as a thank you and um, you know it's you know it, that's what it is you know, it's, the, it's, it's the type it's, of man it's, you it's are. a matter you're, of friendship <clears throat> yeah you're a good man you're a good man hey you know what I can't stand it anymore go ahead I, I have uh I've been uh, working with my buddies over at Pops Knife Supplies this past couple of weeks. And I am ordering and loving what they do. They're uh, offering up, uh, if you find uh, the Knives Templars on their uh, business website and uh, you put in the code, uh, they're giving everybody a complimentary set of scales and until... Uh, until it expires, I guess. But uh, for the time being, uh, everybody's getting a nice set of uh, scales uh, with their orders at no cost. But I was uh, communicating with Mr. Andy Roy, and I am so excited that he has allowed us to join up with us as part of the Knives Templars Makers Mark interviews. And this is brought to you with Pops Knife Supplies. And I'll say again, you can see them at Pops Knife. 
Supplies. Um, Makers Mark interviews. What are we doing, guys? Uh, Knives Templars is not about the six of us. As you hear me use the word community, uh, and certainly going to Blade Show and seeing the number of people that were at that event and realizing that it is so much bigger than just the people that are at that event. Not only does it take place in two other times in the United States this year, there's all the supporting and other shows that are there, whether it's the sh- you know shows coming up at the state level or international level or what's going on in you know, other countries. Um, it's a huge community. And um, there's no room for ego in knives. There's a few egos out there, but uh, but that just comes with pride. But I will tell you, there's always somebody that can humble you. And we have got a special guest, our very first Maker's Mark guest, um, Mr. James McClendon. Uh, and he is somebody that will humble you. The man makes beautiful knives. So I'm going to welcome James into our podcast. James, how are you doing today? I am doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's, it's quite an honor. Uh, you, now, we're, 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 you are coming to us from what state is it? Home of the Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, baby. Roll Tide. I kind of already knew that. James is from <laughs> over in the Tuscaloosa area. And um, I uh, caught up with him on uh, on Facebook recently, and I'm not sure which group it was associated with, but uh, he was uh, displaying at uh, Blade Show, and the man is a master with a uh, an anvil and some fire, and uh, also uh, turning out some beautiful knives. And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about yourself, James. You can well, be I shameless here. Be shameless. <laughs> I wouldn't go that. Or I am. Uh, I don't consider myself nothing more than a hack. Uh, about 30 years ago, I needed to make a knife, and uh, I ground one out of a file. And I wish I could say that's where I got my start, but it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> about 20 years ago, we moved from Texas to Alabama, and uh, I was a hot rodder at the time. And uh, people in Tuscaloosa can't drive. So I, I decided I did not need to hot rod in this town because I would end up going to jail. And uh, around that time, my neighbor gave me some uh, bed frames. And I was going to make something from them. And I figured out real quick, these were heat-treated steel. So I, I, I can't use them for jigs. I can make a knife. And uh-huh. I ground my first knives out of, uh, out of that. And he treated it with a torch. Um, now, what did you grind them? What did you grind them with? Uh, <laughs> a cheap four by thirty-six and uh, a bench grinder. There you go. Uh, there you go. And I wish I could say those were pretty, but they weren't. Uh, <laughs> I floundered around for about four and a half years. Uh, Wayne Goddard's book was a big influence on me, but I really didn't start turning the turn corner till. Uh, I found out a little event, I'm going to plug it, was Batson's Blade Symposium. Uh-huh. Uh, that happens every April and uh, just outside of Birmingham. Uh, they bring in Master Smiths. And for the past... And you told me earlier that Pops is associated with that yeah, we, as we well. We sure appreciate they? Pops coming out there. They they set up uh, and have a tailgate event. Uh, I like to uh, spend all my money with them. Because <laughs> no, for a lot of us guys, uh, we like to, you know, taste, touch, sniff, 
lick, this stuff will be back. Uh, good handle material will sell a knife. The wrong handle material will just make it fodder. That's true, but if you had saw somebody lick one of your knives at Blade Show, what would you have done? <laughs> well, well, I've had plenty of Band-Aids. <laughs> I don't know. You can just keep that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so it's just a it's just a humbling opportunity just to be able to do something like Blade coming for, from where I come uh, come from, uh, really having no. Uh, formal uh, apprenticeships just pretty much being self-taught uh well what was your what was this your first year having a table or have you done this no uh, i did blade last year uh and i generally try to do one or two shows uh, a year and that's been that way for about 10 years uh, every every time i do a show i learn a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. these events will they'll teach you a lot uh, about who you are as a maker, uh, and what you need to improve your improve your work. Uh, right, right. You know, you have to be true to your own style, and not everybody's gonna like what you do. Uh, but just do the best of what you can, and uh, because I didn't have anybody to uh, help me along. I had a lot of bad advice. There was a lot of uh, guys out there who knew stuff, but looking back on it, they 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 really didn't have a clue what they were doing either. I always want to help guys out, um, and I, I've mentored a lot of guys, and there, there there's been quite a few that I'm not ashamed to say are better than I am now. Uh, well, that, that's one thing I noticed is that, and don't let me take over the conversation, guys. You guys jump in any time. But one of the things I noticed is that um, at the show, I saw some knives and, you know, art there that I would say could just have easily sat in a palace somewhere. And I saw something that could have been sitting in a mountain man's hand. And you said something being true to your art and your skills. They were Both of them were equally beautiful. I mean, Odysseus knives just amaze me and I, I couldn't make an Otis here knife right now if I tried I could make something that might look like it but come out looking like <laughs> you could make something better well in time we can all do that but the thing is you said something really good is me you know being true to who you are and what your style is because this whole thing is open to so many people and so many uh taste and what people appreciate you know, I can show something to somebody that's got some fancy bronze uh, um, wire strung through it and round around the handle and everything. And if a guy's there looking for, you know, something Civil War looking era or something that's Mountain Man or something that he can set and go, baton wood. <laughs> I don't like the baton wood. That's what hatchets are for. Um, but he can go baton wood with, um, you know, everybody's got a style and somebody's looking oh, for absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, my own personal, I, I love historical stuff, uh, and I like, I like for the blade to tell a story. Uh, and because yeah. of that, you know, I got a pile of new steel in my shop, but I would just soon make some, uh, forged Damascus. Uh, I really love working with old files. They've got a story. 
and, and they tell that story. Um, I, and part of that story is, you know, I've done research on them. I, I can share this story. I've got, I got file knives that go back to the 1880s. And it's just, it's something special to be able to hand that to somebody and, and see the smile on their face when they realize what what that is and the story behind it and that it can it can oh, carry yeah. on for another hundred years and so, then some right yeah, i i don't really remember particularly uh, uh you say you were there at blade right uh, but i i saw so many so many knives there i pardon me but i don't remember uh you in particular there what what is your uh, your main style of knife that you do there? Uh, it's like a camp, a buoy, a kitchen knife. Oh, you're going to love this, Otis. Here, uh, oh, it's, you hear it's this? mostly rustic mountain man, uh, kind of older style, like they would have belonged, you know, in the 1800s. They would that guy would. Yeah, Go ahead and use the word buoy, Otis. Here, melt. Okay. <laughs> I'm scrolling through his Instagram, and he's got a ton of beautiful buoys here. What is your Instagram account, by the way? It is JMC Custom Knives. There you go. Yeah. Now, now, uh, Otis here can go get some eye candy. Oh, yeah, the, the the use of the the, the different materials, but the antler, um, just the uh, just just gorgeous knives. Uh, you also have a sense of a Western flair. I've noticed as well. So. I would say, I, I mean, that's my opinion. You may think, you know, that's not what you're going for. <laughs> but it seems like a lot of guys uh, from down throughout the south and out throughout probably Arizona, Mexico, Nevada, all those areas would probably just really key into some of the styles that you're making. So you, I saw that you had an uh, anvil uh, on, your, on your Facebook page, and it's from a post you had a while back about it being an 1800s anvil. What is your? Yes. What is it you uh, do? You uh, collect anvils, or just come across something, or what's going on there? Well, when you start blacksmithing, something happens. Um, finding your first anvils, well, kind of like losing your virginity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. What's, what's that? Keep happens? going. They start falling in your lap. <laughs> it took me almost five years to find my first anvil. And that first anvil was a 200-pound fisher. I did not realize at the time what that was when I found it. Um, but if you ever get a chance to forge on a fisher, you will never want to use another anvil. They, they are special. But, um, you know, I like the old stuff. Well, now this particular anvil you're talking about, how old was it when you got it? Uh, this, this fisher was 1941, military surplus. <clears throat> wow. She, she was a World War II vet. Okay. Wow. Um, the, I think the anvil that you're talking about, I rescued that one from a little county out in rural uh, Alabama. Um, it weighed 162 pounds. Um, the story behind it, I, uh, I rescued it from a uh, gentleman who inherited it from his um, uh, from his uh, uncle. And so it had been in their family for generations. And, uh, well, it was a plantation anvil, uh-huh. uh, being at 162 pounds. And its story needed to be saved. Um, 
we, we don't ever need to forget that what what happened and uh, you know the sons of slaves inherited that anvil right right and, I hear you. and they used it for years and it was destined to go to the scrap yard and now is that is that something that you would resurface or is that something you would just leave it the way it is uh, because of the historical it was, in, it was in really poor shape uh, the face was gone I think it laid out in the, you could tell it was laid out in the pasture for for a long time yeah so I had to I had to resurface it. Now, um, I've been in the welding supply and safety industry for going on 30 years. So um, that really has a synergenic effect with uh, my knife making. Uh-huh. Because uh, in the welding supply side, I get to see the braces, see the safety stuff, you know, everything that I would use to make the knife. And on the the uh, knife making side, I get to learn the metallurgy, which feeds back into the into the uh, welding side. So, so it's all symbiotic. Yes, merited And I get guys come in the store all the time, and they got an issue, and they're in the welding supply in the country where somebody would have not understood what what they were going through but mm-hmm. because because of the metallurgical background that the bladesmithing brings in, uh, here we are, uh, this is your problem, this is what you need to do to fix it. And um, so, yeah, they they work off each other, and I really enjoy uh, both of them. Now, have you, do you, um, I know you said you like to educate and teach people. Um, Do you ever do any classes, or do you you have any mentors or any young folks or, even colleagues working alongside with you, learning some of the things that you do? I do mentor a lot of people. Uh, we'll do uh, impromptu classes. I don't do any official classes just because I don't think I'm worthy of that. Uh, oh, you're humble, man. <laughs> uh, and we're trying to get the uh, Tuscaloosa Forge back going, uh, the, uh, the Alabama Forge Council, and hopefully those meetings mm-hmm. will start again. Um, we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, along with the other Forge Council events that they have twice a year. Um, gotcha. So I'm going through your Instagram page, and let me tell you, you got some beautiful knives, my friend. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's, um, it's definitely got a, a, a different, um, I would say, old Western style to all the ones that I've seen so far. And that is something that I really, I really like personally, man. It's nice, really nice. And uh, talking about mentorship, yeah, you, you, you're good for that, man. I would definitely uh, uh, tell you this. So go ahead and, you know, start teaching this because, you know, nowadays uh, everybody is going after computers, CNCs you know, uh, everything, machining and everything, and it's not good. I mean, we're losing a lot of this, and uh, this, what you do right here, same as Eric and Chip, it, this is, uh, I don't call it knife making, I call it art, okay, because that's what it is. Each one of those, it's, uh, it's like a painting, is unique, and from everything that I've seen so far here on your Instagram, man, good to go. 
Yeah, you, I really you, get, like you get the Odysseer uh, Rambo seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. Well, Odysseer, personally, Odysseer. I do like big knives. Uh, I do carry a knife on me every day. Uh, my, my, my job is very dangerous, and <laughs> I need some protection. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, man. Do you know about uh, Odysseer's job, James? Have you heard this in our episodes? Not. Odysseer is a state inspector, and uh, he has to fight off people that goes out and buys lumps of poo for cars and tells them that it, it will not pass inspection. So, they, <laughs> so he finds himself on the on the bad side of a conversation every time he has to say that. Oh, several Damn. times a day. There, there's a lot of cars here that couldn't pass inspection even if they tried. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, when I when I moved here from Texas, I used to I used to give guys in Louisiana a hard time uh, about not being able to drive. In Texas, yeah. turn signals were mandatory. In Louisiana, they were optional. Here in Alabama, they are decorations. I I think four way stops are optional. just. <laughs> somebody go (laughs) yeah yeah i I moved from up north Uh, i was up there for several years and when i came down here and i came my first four-way stop and and ever since then for the last 15 years it's kind of like four-way stops in alabama are just comical adventures to see and and you understand why i got rid of the hot rods oh yeah 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 for (laughs) sure for sure so are you a, are you a NASCAR fan? Uh, no, that's a here they come, there they go. I fell asleep. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I was until they I was until they, they ruined NASCAR, NASCAR again. But uh, it used to be, you know, yeah. it was interesting when it was uh, something that um, cars that you could go buy. Like, you know, yeah. I got that Grand National. Well, you, you can't have that car now. They're all just car. Oh no, not at all. So what do you got? What do you got coming up here in the near future? Um, What's going on? So we've What's got uh, we got the um, uh, Ford Council blacksmiths meeting coming up here in um, uh, September. Now is that open to the public or is that just membership only? It is. Uh, it's open to the public. Now when you when you come, you, you have to sign up. Um, sign up for. I understand. And then you become a member of the Ford Council. And uh, as far as, you know, you can walk through and take part in the tailgating. But if you want to sit down and watch the, um, watch the demonstrations, you know, they pay those guys a lot of money. And, oh, this is, this is over uh, yeah, this in is uh, the Birmingham area we were talking State about. Park. Yeah. I think you and I, if we don't meet before, then oh, we'll yeah, definitely meet them for sure because uh, I'm anxious doing that. I'll, uh, I'll, buy you a, I'll buy you a cheeseburger or a steak. I'll let you choose. <laughs> And you go for the steak. Yeah. For the steak. <laughs> That's right. cool. There you go. As long as you got Should a knife to cut it with. <laughs> 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 well, hey, listen, I tell you what, uh, let's take a break here because we want to let uh, everybody know how much we appreciate Pops and helping uh, helping to support them because they make uh, this available to us. So thank you. Pops Knife Supply was started 40 years ago and is owned by four professional knife makers. Andy Roy of Fiddleback Forge, Alan Searles of W.A. Searles Knives, Joey Berry of J.B. Knifeworks, and Dirk Lutz of Dirk Lutz Knives. 
make a great team of owners, carrying on the traditions and business started by James Poplin. Over four decades in business is a testament to the best customer service with same-day shipping on weekdays. Pops only charges actual shipping and any shipping differences are refunded on your orders. Everything you need to make knives from grinding, steel, penstock, heat treating, and more can be found at Pops. Visit them at popsknife.supplies. And now, back to the show. All right. Well, welcome back. Hey, um, you know, James, I tell you what, I'm enjoying you being on here. Do you want to stick with us a while or you just want to, you ready to take off? uh, If I'm not boring you too much. Good gosh, no. But here's what you have to do. When we say something stupid, you have to laugh. And uh, if if you've got something funny or something smart to say, just cut well, us off that, and start that, that talking. Well, that might be a problem because I'm like, my wife says I'm like Sheldon Cooper. If y'all know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can insult <laughs> us too. I'm, little, I'm a little dry. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, we'll we'll make up on the other side and it'll all balance out just fine. So just stick with us here. We've uh, we're about forty five minutes into this and uh, we want to talk a little bit about Blade Show. And I know you're probably going to want to add something to that as well as your experiences. Um, and I have something to say. You know, I went out and got. Uh, I've been using that Cold Forge for a couple years. I went out and got the Majestic. You guys are such a great influence on me, man. I tell you what, I. I uh, uh, treated some knives this past week and it is so neat it's like turn it on heat it up put them in take them out you're done i mean all of the other now, i don't want to lose the ability to to use coal and all that and i've kept all that equipment um but gosh it is so easy it's like microwaving tv dinners uh, uh but also the quality and the consistency just short of having a heat treat oven uh i'm just totally amazed especially when i see it in the etches that i've started doing the consistency and color there, but, but I've got two things. I, my, uh, Ameribraid majestic package and a butt ton of, uh, accessories are en route. They will be here shortly. All right. And no longer will Chris Jones be able to hold my two by 42 over my head. (laughs) <laughs> even though it's going to stay in my shop because I've got a ton of belts to use up on it. So, uh, so my biggest, my biggest excitement, I guess, out of blade show was spending time with, um, Kevin and Eric over, uh, at Ameribrade as far as the vendors go, because they were so kind, so informative, had such good displays. Um, there were a few good brands of grinders there, but the engineering and the accessories and just the forethought and the way they would explain it to you uh, about those machines just sold me 110% more while I was there. So I'm looking forward to that coming in. Um, beyond that, my favorite thing was uh, I, I bought uh, 75 butterfly knives uh, in all different colors. And uh, I'm learning to juggle those right now. Looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> in the corner there. With There's the a lot hits. of butterfly. Flicking round. Yeah. Yep. Did you um, not get no, you a butterfly knife while you were there? <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you guys that were there? What did you think? Oh, you the floor to Merrick. <laughs> well, uh, I would say <laughs> that just like I tell pretty much everybody, you know, 
going to shows like this is an absolute must. It's something that you really, really, really need to do. You need to experience it because the hard part is you can sit there and you can watch YouTube videos or look at pictures of knives all the time. You can just sit there, stare at them, all that stuff, and you'll have no clue to what the ergonomics actually feel like. So what the handles feel like, why people put certain handles on certain knives. Speaking of like chef's knives and stuff like that, why you wouldn't put a Coke bottle fighter handle on a chef's knife or why you wouldn't put a chef's knife's handle on a buoy <laughs> or something like that. Like the, the being able to walk around and look at the profiles, look at the sizings, look at how they're weighted, look at all the cool little fit and finishing parts of the knives and all that stuff is, is huge and seeing what materials people are using. So I, uh, I tell people a lot, go there, experience it, pick up the knives. A lot of the makers there are really polite and want you to hold the knives, want you to see how they feel. And uh, you walk around, grab them, check them out, put them in your hand, see how they're weighted, ask them how they made them, give them some tips, or have them give you tips on, you know, different processes. Give them some notes. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give them some You'll tips. You'll never can recreate I, that. Can I, lick, can I lick this knife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's just, it's just you know, actually Here's going through and, and, uh, and talking with them and having them give you really good info and really good feedback on stuff. And if you happen to have brought a couple of your knives, put them in their hands, let them tell you what you did amazing did and that. let them tell you, yeah, what the, what you, they might adjust on it or, you know, within fit and finish or gapping or maybe your, your, your plunges are weird or something like that. But, you know, actually talk to these guys and, and get their feedback about what you're making as well. Especially if there's someone there that you really respect and, uh, you know, let them actually hold your knife and check it out. So I, I, I yeah, especially it. when you see like them that. for a split second and then you look up and they're gone. Yeah, I was I was standing <laughs> there. And, uh, of course, Eric, I've always said that, that you influenced me quite a bit with your uh, wonderful video presentations and stuff, getting me started early on. But um, so there I am standing at the end of the aisle, looking down at my phone, trying to find uh find you guys y'all had moved off somewhere and i look up and there's trolsky michael 18 inches from me looking me directly in the face <laughs> and i froze i looked back down i looked up and he had walked <laughs> off and then i go to chase him through the place and i can't keep up with him and uh and i was so disheartened because here's here's freaking trolsky i told him if i run into you I'm going to uh, buy you a shot of whiskey or whatever he wanted. And he probably saw, he says, that's the guy that owes me a drink. That's probably all he had into it. But uh, <laughs> I didn't get to do it. So, Trolsky, um, Michael, if you if you listen to our podcast, if somebody gets this to you, to you, please know next year at Blade Show or next time I'm in the same area, I know you, not two, but I'll buy you three drinks. Um, but oh, it, was right. a ple- it was a pleasure to, to be in the presence of someone who – you truly respect what they do. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, Eric, one thing I noticed about you is that you are very intent. And you, as a maker, uh, 
and also a producer of a video in this set and the other and the the things that you do i really keyed in on how intent you were on manufacturing processes styles being very complementary um you were examining these things almost and i don't mean this disrespectfully almost robotically uh so that you were you just really understood and you were growing from it and you just yeah. didn't seem like a shopper or a gazer out there and it was it was impressive um you know, just to, just to see your interest in, in the knives and how you went about it. And taking a genuine interest in people that had taken the time to buy those tables and set up and and uh, and and enjoy their show. But it was also kind of cool to people see people go, oh, it's Eric Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then hand me the camera so I could take a picture of you guys together. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely an interesting part of it. The uh, When I was at Blade Show Texas, you know, I had a little bit of that, but... This was one of the, the first times where uh, a lot of the people that actually had their tables there and were exhibitors um, actually, you know, follow the channel and, and watch it. And then I had a few people who had uh, a few of the, the styles of knives that I make that influenced some of the stuff that was on their table, which, I, you know, that is uh, absolutely awesome. And uh, I, I wasn't expecting that, but it was really cool. And, uh, again, it's like, just like you said, you know, it, it's going well, up to these people that you respect and just, just looking at what they're doing. Don't be afraid to ask them questions. Don't be afraid to have them point at stuff yeah. and tell you. Who was the did. gentleman we walked up to right when you, right when you went into the big room, uh, we walked up to, um, his mother and his father were sitting there working his table. Well-known maker. So, oh, gosh. Uh, Kyle yes, Warrior. yes, yes. What an amazing table. Yeah, absolutely epic. And, yeah, you know, like I, I've I been said, following him I forever. I was able to hold his knife, a $10,000 knife, and I can tell you it is amazing. Did it feel like $10,000? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, yeah, they, they do, because when you see that, it's just... It's just it's just beautiful artwork. It sure is. Yes. Well, and and knowing yes. that. They How did you put do, James? Did you uh, hours in there? Oh yeah, yeah. How did your knife sales go this year, James? Uh, they they went well, I guess. Uh, as a as a maker at, at exhibitor, um, it can be tough. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of makers that got skunked. Um, I, I don't know if it was they just weren't prepared. Um, blading itself is it can be overwhelming. Yeah, uh, I, I've been on both sides of the table, um, but I had I get to brag my biggest knife, which was of course a Mountain Man uh, Mountain Man knife. Um, this mountain of a man had to have it. Young man was going to a rendezvous out in Oregon, mm -hmm. and he's who I made that knife for. I didn't know it when I made it, but <laughs> he was who I made that knife for. And it's such an honor to know that that knife is going to be up at a rendezvous, which is when I made it. That's what, what my intention was for it. Isn't it cool how a knife usually finds its owner? Yes. yes. I love that when that happens. Yeah, it's pretty cool. How come you, how come you didn't see me and ask for a picture with me, James? 
You know, there's so many people there. I had the Knives Templar shirt on, and I was fat, so I stood out. And, and you probably just run right by my table and didn't even look at me. Chasing, chasing uh, Trolsky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a break and talk about our buddies who I'm excited about over at Ameribraid. Hey, listeners, let's take a moment today to thank one of our sponsors for today's show. And that sponsor is Ameribraid Grinders. Eric and Kevin over at Ameribraid have sold thousands of these grinders. And they are super nice guys and their customer service is excellent. I would know. I've been personally using their 2x72 grinder now for two years. And it has changed my knife making to a whole new level. So if you're in the market for or looking to upgrade from that 1x30 or 2x42, then give Ameribraid a look. There you'll find they have three packages of grinders to offer. They have a mastery package, a foundations package, and a get grinding package, in which all of them come at different price points. So I'm sure you'll find something that'll suit your needs as a knife maker. Also, Ameribraid has a ton of innovative attachments for their grinders. So listeners, you can find out about all of this at www.ameribraid.com. Go give them a look. See what they have to offer today. And now, back to all the right. show. All right. Well, hey, uh, the uh, we, we can't not talk a little bit about the end of day one. And I can't tell this story. I can tell it to you from my perspective, but... Odysseer and Eric seemed to get the most joy out of it. So yes, we 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 were all hot, we were hungry, and we yes. left. Yes. So by the end of the show, we said, "Okay, let's go grab something to eat." You know, there was a Longhorn about uh, I don't know, maybe half a mile from from Blade, and Eric and I we took off each one in our little cars and on the way there my wife points at me and say hey ain't that cheap crossing the road <laughs> from blade for the first to, time <laughs> for the first time right you know from blade to a parking lot on the other side a big old mall in there yeah uh, so we make it to um longhorn and we're sitting there and waiting a good half hour no chip and then we got you know, we brought in, you know, we're sitting at the table, no chip. Another 20 minutes, give give or take, go by, and no chip, right? And all of a sudden, Chip and his friend, uh, what's his name, uh, Cody, right? Cody, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They walk through the door, sweaty, look like they've been running 10 miles. Drenched in sweat. Yes, and, you know, they lost their car. They lost their car. They couldn't find their little car, their little truck. We lost an entire mall. Turns out, <laughs> turns out, his truck was parked almost right in front of Longhorn. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it, I and could have thrown a football and hit Longhorn. He, he, he was walking to two or three different malls around there looking for his truck until, okay, we found the truck. And when he looks up, oh, there's Longhorn. They don't even need to drive the Longhorn. It's right there. Yeah, when we when we left, now keep in mind it was hot like today in Alabama. I'm wearing boots and jeans and, and a heavy cotton t-shirt, and we turned right when we should have gone straight. And Cody and I uh, have volunteered in the forest as forest rangers. I can, but you can drop me off in the forest and give me a uh, a map or 
heck, just show me where a creek is. I'll find my way out of there, and I'll find the city you want me to go find. I don't believe you anymore. Well, it's different because when you're in the concrete jungle, and you're, you live in the concrete jungle, I uh, walked out, and every mall looked the same, so we walked across the street. We walked around the same mall twice, left that mall, came back, walked back to it, walked back to Blade Show, walked back up the road, uh, somehow stumbled into the mall with three percent left on our phones and there was my truck and as as we were seeing the truck cody goes be funny if longhorns is uh right here in this parking lot and he looked over and started laughing and there it was and when i came into the um restaurant to uh, eat with you guys did you notice i sat about a foot behind everybody yeah. i was so hot i could if i'd sat between you i'd have died of heat stroke probably smelled too and eric was trying to enjoy his steak yeah. man you know, he looked like he had been sitting out in the sun for days, man. It was it was something else to see. You know, i never seen a man sweat that much just by walking around. Well, you can take a man out of the woods, but you take him to this big city and it's scary. It's scary. Now, before you came in, Eric and I we were talking and said, man, this guy, he's lost. He can't <laughs> find his car. He lost. You know? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And oh, and the funny thing is, after we ate dinner, I was we had gone back to the hotel, and I was in the hotel that night, and I was looking at it, and I couldn't find where I had dropped a pin to show where my truck was. And when I was there that night, I had actually texted it to myself rather than dropped a pin in my maps uh, uh, app, so I could have walked right back to the truck <laughs> from the get go if I had just remembered I had texted it to myself. But you know what it was? <laughs> what was it? Blade fever. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, there were some nice there were some nice knives over there at uh, Texas Roadhouse, weren't they? Yeah. Now, Eric, you know, what is your side of the story? Because I know you can uh, you can you can add to it. So it it was absolutely hilarious though having him uh, um, pop in and look like he just got done running a marathon. Um, it was it was something else. I mean. Uh, it, and I could just imagine because I, I'd been in those situations where you finally get to the point to where you're like, okay, I found the truck and son of a, what the, as soon as you look up and you realize that you're standing in front of the place that you got to go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, those moments have happened to us all. I know they have. And, and you know how. For, good. So then when you're so hot, when you're, when you're hot, you're not hungry, you know, and I was already <laughs> overheated from that, that concrete walk out in the sun. So what did I eat? A salad, salad. <laughs> and drank six gallons salad. of water <laughs> at a steakhouse, a salad at a steakhouse. And watched you guys eat those huge, yeah, watched you guys eat those giant cows. I think each of you had a cow on your plate and I'm sitting there eating a salad. <laughs> now, Eric, I got to tell Eric, Eric, he, 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 he can go to a steak, man. He had that monster, uh, what was it, like a porterhouse? I have never seen yeah. such a big steak on a plate. Yeah, you no, know, I mean, Longhorn, <laughs> they got like a 12-ouncer and an 18-ouncer or something. Eric asked for the big one. Give me the big one, the, the porterhouse with the bone in, right? And, 28 you know, ounces. He went through that like a, like a pit bull, man. Yeah, it, it was amazing. I wasn't so delusional from the heat that I didn't recognize 
or fail to recognize the size of that steak. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I, I was picturing John Candy trying to fi- finish that thing in that movie that time. But uh, you know, Eric always talked about how much he likes uh, uh, steak uh, in yep. the past. You know, as we've got to know each other over the last year, and uh, he definitely uh, he proved his point that particular night. Take the man yeah, to a steak eat eating steak contest; you will win every week, every single week. I grill three to four times a week minimum minimum so and then yeah, he shoved 5,000 calorie donuts down his throat after that <laughs> dipped in chocolate <laughs> <laughs> they were free so it was okay <laughs> it was a good time it was such yes it was such a good time i'm gonna do blood show again again next year um yes we had the to. matter of fact uh i know that joey's getting ready um joey the uh, airplane concierge he's out parking a plane tonight uh he is um uh, getting ready to do the show down in Louisiana, and uh, I want to be able to go down to that. But Matthew Rich, I hear that you went to a huge, huge gun and knife show over there in Colorado. Yeah, I went to the uh, the Boulder uh, State Fairgrounds. They had a, I wouldn't say huge, but it was pretty decent <laughs> for for the community that's here, and um, it was pretty nice. It, it felt really good walking around. There was a lot of guns, not so much for knives, but um, just doing a little recon and. You know, I walked to a knife and gun show and I left with spices, so we know what my weakness is because you know, cooking and food, right? Um, but yeah, it, it looked very promising. It's uh, seventy dollars a table there. It's two days over the weekend, so I'm deeply, deeply considering doing it next time. Uh, you know? I think knowing your you skills, you'll definitely pay for your table real easy. But I also will say, seeing. I don't really get excited when people say this is what I had for breakfast on Facebook, but I will tell you what, uh, every time you post something, it grabs my eye. I don't know. I, I, oh, I don't, like well, I think you've got an, did you ever cook professionally or you just bought a Betty Crocker nah, book? Nah, I just, you know, got high one time and decided I like eating. So I should probably cook some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, no, Colorado. it's yeah, you're out of Colorado. There it is. <laughs> no, but it's just, you know, I just, when you love food and you want to eat, you might as well learn how to cook, right? Um, a lot of YouTube. A lot of YouTube learning for me, actually, if we go back to that. Um, a lot of Guga Foods. I'm not trying to plug Guga or sous vide anything, but you should check them out. Just saying. Sous vide Who is this? Who is this? Guga Foods and sous vide oh. everything. This guy runs two yeah. channels. and yeah, Because the company. My, my the company I work for does sous vide. Oh, I love sous vide. Yeah. We 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 uh we make a sous vide chicken breast product. It is this, delicious. This uh just just an FYI, this uh Guga, he is also from Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. How do I learn picanha? We, we we love we, we love our steaks, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, man. So, uh, so you'll get you get you a show. You're gonna get you a cowboy hat or anything to wear while you're while you're there. Maybe a little black vest. You're from California, so I mean, I just make sure I you would, are. No. Are you None from California? That. You from California? Yes. Okay. Well, you probably if you're at a, if you're doing a, a gun and knife show in Colorado, I'm just saying, you know, you need to look the part. Cody actually picked out my cowboy hat and vest uh, for uh, next year's blade show. Uh, I've I've worn I've worn a cowboy hat in the past, but I don't think I need to bre- dress up in costume because a uh, monkey in a silk suit is still a monkey, and I'm not one to put on airs. So 
you can't you can't change me. I'm still a goofball, no matter how I'm dressed. <laughs> <laughs> so did you see some goofballs at a blade show? Anybody want to answer that? I did. Go ahead. Yeah. I did actually. Uh, I. What I does a fox on, say? On the whole show, right? I saw only, I would say, three, three knives or three tables there that I say, okay, I don't like it, right? And I will not name names, but uh, one of them, it's um, Eric was happened to be with me, and we grabbed. Remember those knives we picked up? And it just choke yep. your hand all the way next to the edge. It, it puts you on a choking position, you yeah, know, and yeah, it's really uncomfortable for you to change your grip. You know, if you want to change your hand to a more uh, extended uh, grip, it's, it's nearly impossible just because of where the finger divider is for your uh, index. And it's too large of an index in there. So when you grab it, it automatically pulls your hand to a choking position as if you were putting your finger on the choil. See? Right? And, and, and that was a production knife. And I wasn't there looking at production knives. All, most of the tapes that I stopped was like uh, handmade knives, just like James's or all the other people there that was doing them. And, you know, they were all amazing. But we just happened to stumble upon this table. And, you know, we were feeling those handles, uh, just like Eric said. And when I grabbed that one, it, it felt like the handle just automatically pushed my hand towards the edge on a choking position. But Not interestingly interestingly enough, though, you go straight to the knives. I'm thinking about the guy who had the little white fox uh, furry ears <laughs> on and, uh, and the skirt with the uh, foxtail <laughs> hanging out underneath with a butterfly knife running in the ground with his yeah. face covered up with some balaclava thing. And I'm going... Huh. <laughs> That's the direction I was going with that, but Otisir was like, yeah. no, no, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there particularly looking at people. You know, don't <laughs> didn't really care about that. Uh, another knife that Eric and I was able to uh, put our hands on it was one there that had um, like a trench knife with the uh, what you call it, like a, a knuckle yeah, duster the in there. Guard. And that particular knife, I don't know if you're going to remember it, but if you swing yeah. that knife, you're going to peel all the skin in between your fingers. You know, that one yeah. was uh, the, the hard part probably with that the only was... knife that I, I grabbed that I said, okay, I really don't want to grab it again. Yeah. It, it just, was really the, uncomfortable. The holes really were really weird. There. The, the... Yes, and, and sharp. And see, they went right back to knives, and now I'm on to the guy who had the wrist <laughs> sheaths, the ankle sheaths, the oh, belly sheath, that. and he looked like if he passed gas, he was going to be firing bolts at everybody all at once. Oh, I actually like their wrist sheath. <laughs> I actually like their wrist contraption, you know? I could see you wearing that in the forest coming out of the oh, river. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, other than that, man, I saw, you know, a lot of things that uh, – that, that I really like, and a couple of things that I was like, yeah, it's all right. And, but those two were particularly the ones I really kind of like, okay, you know. Like I, like I told Eric, some people like the banana, some people like the peel, right? So you, it, you have a taste for everything. So well, James, James did, you, uh, did you go down into the pit at the, in the evenings? 
we did this year. We made it a point, me and my wife yeah. were wallflowers. We said, we got to go. So we went Saturday night. And, um, yeah, the patron saint of the Butterfly Boys was um, was <laughs> over there, too. That was the, no, you're going furry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if y'all, if y'all have never experienced the pit, you got to go at least once. Just yeah. so you did it. I walked through it the day after. I didn't realize, this is just being new. I didn't realize I was walking through the pit the empty pit until the day after. I was like, Oh, this is the pit that I've seen on the YouTube video. <laughs> so, um, did you tell, did you tell Trollsky I'll see him next year while you were down there, James? Uh, I did. I there a couple times know. looking for your track. <laughs> 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 I think I did. I said, I went through the one fifty three times. <laughs> well, you see what you do is you park in the same place mm-hmm. every time. That way you can find your car. Well, I will tell you, it's much easier to find a parking space on Sunday there than it was on Saturday. Very much. Hey, I, I parked up front on, on you know, Friday. Guys, when you do Blade, Friday is for the collectors, Saturday is for the general population, and Sunday is for yeah. visiting. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I tell you what, uh, the uh, we saw a bunch of great scales there, and uh, let's take a moment to talk about one of our favorite uh scale and uh, handle materials uh, makers, and that's Sarah over at Sikowski Scales. Be right back. As knife makers, we all know the importance of quality handle material. Something that's both tough yet beautiful will increase the value of your knives and allow you to build something that your customers will love. When it comes to the handle material for my knives, I choose Swikowski Scales. Run by Sarah Halpain and her mentor, Alex Swikowski, they have a combined 20 years experience making handles and knives. They offer stabilized burls, exotic hardwoods, vintage micartas, and some of the best segmented scales in the business. Find them on Instagram at Swikowski Scales or on their website, SwikowskiScales.com. That's S-W-I-E-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I Scales.com. So, so yeah, parking, uh, you know, like you said, Sunday was visiting day, and that was a day I enjoyed being able to go back and I, I think Eric and, and Otis here did too. Go back and see some of that stuff that we rushed through on Saturday, or, or had you know were, were more drawn out Saturday to go back and see what you expect. And the um, one thing that I saw there that I thought was very appealing. What's the name of it, guys? Help me here. It's that that new heat treating oven brand that we saw over near Maribraid. Hot shot. Oh man, I will definitely be getting one. As soon as they come up with the with the big one that I can put uh, eighteen can inches, put 50, it, you know, big enough for a fifteen inch uh, total length, it will be good for me. Yeah. Um, Are you familiar with that? Did you see that brand, James? While you were there, I did not. When when you when you exhibit, you right. don't get to walk around too much, and I did not. Just gonna leave my blades here and go look around. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hot Shot, uh, we spent some time with them. And they have a system. Uh, you can uh, has a nitrogen system on it if you want it optional. It's also air cooled from the outside. You can you can lean on the thing. It's it's cool on the outside uh, while it's two thousand degrees inside. And they said they could achieve. I think they're advertising two thousand. Said they can achieve twenty four. Uh, get the specifics from them. But um, they're getting ready to come out with an eighteen uh, inch model 
this summer. And uh, I know if you go on Facebook right now, and I don't, I shouldn't tell you guys this, but they've got a drawing this weekend for a 12-inch one. So if you go in there and put your name in, you may win one. But I advise oh, you yeah? not. I advise you not to because I've already signed up. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it, it was such a neat device. And when you open it up, it swung out like a refrigerator. And um, the heat just didn't overpower you. And when you close that door up, it was uh, it was as cool as the ambient air around you. It was the it was a wonderful device. Not only that, the logic built into it to be able to run the programs, to be able to run past histories and re- repeat um, your uh, your results in the past was just wonderful. Uh, an app to be able to view it from your phone. Matter of fact, the gentleman uh, that was showing me the unit was showing me the unit that was running back at his home in whatever state he was from. Uh, really neat. And you said it was hot shot. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. Hot shot oven and kiln. So yeah. then, uh, yeah, I the, need me one of those. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. American rotary is the, uh, that's the, the overarching brand was, uh, American rotary if I'm correct. Yeah. And, uh, their sub brand was, was hot shot. So, uh, Broadbeck, Brett, Broad, Broadbeck, excuse me, yeah. ha- had some really nice attachments and, and nice display, as always, as well. You know, I decided to go with another brand, but uh, they're one of the leaders as well. Very lightweight, uh, very good-looking, compact machines. Had that Mareco Platin uh, was was on display there. Their surface grinding uh, attachment got to look at uh very 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 competent and well engineering equipment as well um trying to think some of the other manufacturers that were there that uh, really caught my eye what'd you guys I need say? to get in contact with broadback uh remember when you were talking to the guy and he said oh if you come up with a new attachment uh we'll name you you, you get to name it yeah Guess what? There could be a Pinto attachment coming on pretty soon. Which Pinto are we talking about? Oh, you don't need to know right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a Pinto that's a fish, so I just didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I had an idea. I've seen a couple of things, and, uh, you know, maybe I get to talk to him and, and pitch an idea with them. It, they, they seem to be pretty nice and uh, willing to to work with you they really uh, one are one of the things one of the things that i'm really looking forward to getting from them is that uh, integral table with the uh, yes. um, yeah the, the adjustable table no the, the the ones that go on the, for the integral like uh, the, eric eric saw we, we we were looking you know yeah for the like the waterfall the where you lay it on top yeah. and yeah like the waterfall yeah. thing. Uh-huh. oh yeah yeah i'm sorry okay. the, the little the, the little rollers to do the fullers <laughs> yeah as well so yeah yeah so well, that that little integral table that they have if you want to do some um distal taper that is the thing to use right now right now i do my distal taper with uh i use two magnets one on the tip one on the tang uh-huh. and i'll be f- you know messing with it on uh integral table is much much easier i've seen gotcha. it done and it's like wow like that well you know you were talking about them naming something after you i actually talked to uh one of, not not eric or kevin but one of the guys that were working with them over there at ameribraid 
and they're going to come out with the if I haven't talked them into it and they haven't agreed to it and uh, they're probably still laughing if they've even discussed it but I'll convince them it's called the Sheggy button the flot Sheggy button and um, <laughs> they have those really nice variable speed drive cabinets and they have this one little thing on there and I'm like what does this do and I'm like it looked like a button and I was like, their customer service is so wonderful. They're always willing to pick up the phone and talk to you. That This ought to be Bluetooth or something into your cell phone that you push it. Like OnStar, it rings, and Kevin says, Ameribrate, how can I help you? And walks you through the problem. The Shaggy button. <laughs> <laughs> OnStar. <laughs> Ameribrate, can I help you? <laughs> nah, nah. I, I, I did... Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. I didn't see um, an awful lot from the uh, from the furnace side of it. You know, we saw the the typical even heat in this, that, and the other. But I guess it would lend itself more towards a, a forging and blacksmith show that we didn't see a lot along the lines of forges and things uh, there like that. Is that typically what you see, James? It's more more knife driven rather than the forging. And nowadays, yeah. If you if you want to be a professional knife maker. You can't do it forging. It's just too labor intensive. Right. Um, one of the things I do when I'm teaching a, a young younger person, mm-hmm. and they want to be a quote professional knife maker, is I give them a piece of steel and let them forge on it. I step over and grind one out, and he puts it in the oven before they got their ability on the halfway done. <laughs> yeah. And that's just to show them that you know you'll have. People tell you, oh, it's faster, you save belts. And, and it's really not, and that's why most professionals will do stock removal. So it comes really down, um, it's just the art and the old ways of not losing the ability to... Exactly. It's, it's the ability to do stuff that um, that you can't do with stock removal. So you've basically, what you're saying is you have a zombie apocalypse job because you can still forge and make steel. But I, I do have a problem. You were talking about coal forges. I give mine away. Did you? I hadn't used it in two years. <laughs> well, maybe it's because I just put mine away. That that might be why. But uh, it, it's almost sentimental when you go to put it away because you know how much work you put into maintaining well, I, it. I give it to a young man, and hopefully he'll put it to good use. Yeah. So what what uh, what type of uh, furnace are you using? Are you... Uh, I built my uh, my gas forges. Uh, I've got I've actually got four. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got a two burner I built. I do a lot of cable Damascus, and I don't know if any of you guys have ever done cable. It's uh, very messy, and mm-hmm. it will destroy a. Forge. I only work with galvanized cable. Yeah, there you go. That'll do okay. it. And um, z- I, I mix it. I mix it with zinc and uh, and add a little extra galvanization to it. I, I got the forge set up where I just dumped insulation out and start over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you do a lot of Damascus, uh, cable Damascus as well. Yeah, I do a lot of cable Damascus. Um, I, I find it's very easy to manipulate. It's got its own rules, and if you don't know the rules, it'll burn you. Um, and galvanize is one of those rules that you gotta you gotta understand when you're working with that with that material. But right. once you where do you where do you come up with your material at? You know, do you is just scrap that you you were able to get through scrap yards or? Some of it comes scrap. Some of it I go buy new. Uh, the uh-huh. the advantage of buying new is 
know what you're getting. Um, yes, sir. There's a bunch of different kinds of cable. Um, they're not all the same. So, uh, you know, that might be another story for another time. If y'all, if y'all want to dip into the cable Damascus well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah no. I mean, how difficult it is to, to set your welds in there because you have those little each oh, individual little cable strands in there. I mean, how do you go about actually welding everything together into a billet that you can actually make a knife harden and temper it and have a good edge? I've seen a, a few cable Damascus knives and I was able to pick them up and it's okay. So this is a, a different level, a different build, you know, uh, tell us uh, in a nutshell, a little bit what what you do. Well, cable's got its own rules. Um, if you follow the rules, and it, the, one of the things is you've got a, got a lot of airspace in the in the cable itself, so it takes a lot of borax, and borax is very uh, caustic. It will eat up the forge's lining. Um, but there, there's a lot of surface area in the cable. And like a canister Damascus, you've got to let it soak because if the core is not hot, it will not, the well will not set. So, uh, of course, you let it soak. Now, the way I do it personally is I'll, I need a twist and a half. I'll put one end in the forge, bring up temperature, flux it, and with a two-pound hammer. How, how are you measuring your temperatures? Uh, bringing up the welding temperature, which is... I mean, is that is that just by okay. sight, or are you measuring by sight? Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And with a light hammer, you got to start with a light hammer, uh, and just cinch it down. I square off one end, flip it around, repeat it, and twist it tight. And then, then once 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 it's welded, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, cable Damascus is a true high-low Damascus. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember. Y'all went to the history of Damascus. Uh, modern Damascus started in the late '60s. Modern pattern welded stuff, and mm -hmm. it was wrought iron and carbon steel. And the wrought iron would suck all the carbon out of the carbon steel. But what they were making was a hollow Damascus. And with cable, you get a true hollow Damascus. The pattern is. Um, uh, from a total decarburization is what you're seeing, and it makes a line. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the rules with cable is you got to use larger wires. If you use small wires, um, the decarburization will completely make a blade useless. Um, so like an 030 wire would uh, net you a 50% carbon loss. Well, mm. so what you using? What, uh, what 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 diameter? Inch? Inch Seven diameter? Eighths would be bare minimum, but uh, I've used up to two inch cable. Okay. Wow. And how much of that is going to be a uh, loss again? Now, the bigger the the bigger the wires, the the lower the carbon loss is. Uh, when you get up to okay inch inch and a quarter with uh, wire sizes. That are on the larger size, it's, it's negligible. But on the small stuff, on your on your half inch cable, 
uh, it's it's almost a total decarburization. Uh, you'll get some hardening, but okay, I'll I'll forge up a billet and I'll throw it on the on the drill press and just drill it right there. Uh, okay, so Eric is showing a piece of there uh, cable there. Okay, so Eric, is that a piece that you uh, you uh, made uh, that knife yes. with? So this was uh, this is a piece of cable that I've actually I had a huge about about four feet of this and I've made a bunch of these uh, Damascus like uh, if you want to call them like a bird and trout style and they make just the coolest yeah. pattern whenever you actually etch that it's awesome but yes it's squaring off both ends um, twisted them open flexing them twisted them tight and then making sure you twist it enough after that don't be afraid to to twist the absolute hell out of it and uh it does make a cool pattern it's it's pretty cool because i mean it's it's not complicated but it ain't easy <laughs> you're hand you know? hammering yours right yes did yeah, you hand was, uh, you you hand hammered yours right yeah yeah that, that was fully uh hand forged and uh you know it, it's just all about you know paying attention to what you're doing and and doing it right i've had failed billets from cable and i've had really successful billets from cable but the ones that were more failed were ones that i didn't twist it enough back onto itself and uh it was still a little loose and when you start forging it wanted to open up a little bit but all in all it's not that bad uh James, what are you what are you hammering out? What are you hammering out your uh, Damascus with? Uh, on the uh, pattern welding stuff, I have a uh, Clark Taplin uh, press mm. and a little press I built. Um, on the cable Damascus, I still set all the welds by hand with it. Uh, Got you. So uh, 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 a question regarding the uh, the fluxing, either James or Eric can answer that. It's uh, do you have to open the cable to flux it inside, or is there anything else you can use? I mean, I've seen some people uh, using um, uh, kerosene or even uh, uh, some kind of a wax to uh, uh, do the, the the fluxing. Wouldn't that be like a better option to not having to unroll the cable and then having to roll to. it back in, in, in I, itself I again? Not uh, unrolling it because that lets uh, oxygen in. Uh, I prefer just bringing it to a dull red and just just dumping the flux to it. It's got to be dripping off. Um, as far as your uh, yeah. Uh, oil-based, petroleum-based stuff like kerosene, that's not really a flux. That's just going to protect it from oxygen. Cable tends to be pretty dirty. So um, unless it's really clean, uh, you, do, you do need to use a borax with it. That's what I do. Okay. Is I, I just use the borax because a Learning lot of the cable that I have has Learning. oils in it and things like that. So that's uh, I'll do that. I'm gonna try the the not unrolling it the the next time I do it and see how that goes. Just go ahead and bring it up to a dull red, flux the hell out of it, and and just see how see how it works out. Cause that would make it to where I didn't have to do a whole step, and I'm all about making it easier. 
<laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's a cool thing about this show because you know we put our pride aside, and man, we learn all kinds of cool things. Certainly for me, um, but uh, I'm no even nowhere even near. Well, if I could plug, a, I got a YouTube channel, and uh, I've got actually got videos on doing the cable Damascus. Um, and, and and that channel actually started because some guys out west, uh, California, was wanting to know how I did cable. Um, so I I've got a bunch of videos, and I got one called the Five Minute Billet, and I just kind of go through. We'll have to stick it in the show notes as well. Cable and making a billet out of it. Well, there you are, man. All right. I even got the cowboy hat and everything. <clears throat> I was gonna say he's from he's from Alabama, but he he looks like a Texan. Uh, I, I uh, picture I posted today you uh, had a black cowboy hat on. Um, yeah, so yeah, we'll put that in the show notes, and I'm sure that uh, uh, Eric and the rest of us will go through and take a look at some of those videos as, as we learn to uh, learn to grow our day. By the way, be be prepared for your yeah, views to go up here pretty soon. So. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a shout out uh, a few times on my channel um, because it looks like you're doing. You oh, know, I appreciate that, that, Eric. Yeah, it's were, always were, good were when you good. help me like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I love it whenever people do educational stuff on YouTube because I don't feel like, you know, especially whenever you break down processes like that. So I, I think that my viewers would really really enjoy that especially for a lot of the people that want to get into doing cable damascus and i've only done a couple of videos on it so you've got some really good videos on there and i'm gonna go through watch them and i'll link some of them i think it's gonna be cool i know that my viewers would like it so so we'll end up with some uh additional views out on mr james uh youtube channel and uh let people learn a little bit from what he's doing i appreciate that that is that's so cool yeah. James is moving stop, around stop. in the background. I don't know if he's he's being attacked. There he is. He's he's getting his USB. So talking about uh, educational videos, uh, I'm probably gonna make one video to put on my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is only there for um, so I can watch <clears throat> Eric make knives. I thought you uh, were doing plank videos. Well, nah, nah I don't. <laughs> and uh, let me see how it goes, and then I'll let you guys know how how it you know how it went, and because yeah. I'm camera shy, I don't like people seeing my bald head, and uh, you know. Hey, I can put my, a wig. Uh, on. Weird I, can, I, can, accent. I can put a wig on you if you need a wig. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on the dress dress you up a little bit. <laughs> Just give me some Photoshop. You'll be good to go. So yeah. <laughs> well eric's gonna promote you to the world so hey <laughs> twenty you you're I, is it 20 are you at thirty thousand yet eric i'm almost at thirty thousand we're, we're getting short. there yep and uh i'm gonna be doing a a giveaway knife build here here soon i don't know if i'm gonna do it for 30 or for thirty-five thousand, wow. but i've got a i've got some of this I remember when you were at 29,995. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yep. 29,995. Look at you almost yeah. hitting 30,000. Talking wonderful. about Damascus, um, I've been uh, thinking, what am I going to do with that piece of uh, Alabama Damascus that I got on a redneck skin pattern? And I sent you guys a picture of 
that little uh, Skinner kind of uh, same uh, same knife I gave you, Chip. It's gonna be the same style, probably. Yeah. You know, but uh, this one is gonna be mine. I'm not gonna be giving <laughs> that one away. And <laughs> and uh, it's gonna be the first time I use that steel, so I'm looking forward for that. Probably uh, this uh, upcoming week I'll be working on that. See, most of my knives, I'm like, this one's gonna be mine, and my wife says, no, it's not. You're gonna that's, sell. It. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> Mine until somebody come up with the uh, with the money for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> good fun. Good fun. Good for fun. sure. Well, guys, we've been going about an hour and a half here. And uh, before we run out of time, I want to make sure we talk about some of the finest belts out on the market. So let's let our guys from uh, – let's, let's hear a little bit about Phoenix belts. All knife makers need abrasives, plain and simple. Here at Knives Templars, we're proud to partner with Phoenix Abrasives. I used to get my belts from another company, but they spent more time on marketing than they did customer service, sometimes taking two plus weeks to ship my order. That's not the case with Phoenix Abrasives. They're obsessed with committing all of their resources to customer satisfaction. Whether you're using a 2x72, 2x42, 1x30, or something else, they've got you covered. They even carry Rhino Wet Sandpaper. So go to phoenixabrasives.com shop and enter promo code TEMPLARS10 for 10% off your next order. Well, guys, we're winding down to getting close to the two-hour mark here in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. So uh, just kind of figure out uh, what's our plan for the next couple weeks. Blade show's behind us. Uh, We've uh, got equipment coming in. We've got Alabama, Damascus, and all kind of things going on. What are your, uh, what are your plans? Well, my plans is after the wife gets back from her business thing is to... Where's she going? Uh, she's she is a community manager for mm-hmm. a uh, apartment communities and whatnot, so multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she goes out of town to run support or to help um, new acquisitions of uh, uh, properties out of state. Um, okay. Kind of bring them in under the, the their corporate umbrella and and to their sure. how they do things and whatnot. And she really loves going out and doing that. And she's been going to California, um, doing a lot down in San Diego, a lot of support down there. And beautiful place. She likes going to the beach. Now, where are you from in California? I'm from the Midland Empire, so it's more like Riverside oh, okay. uh, in that kind of area. I lived in San Diego for a while before I moved out, but I've been back and forth between California all the way to the Panhandle of Virginia, Pulaski. Yeah, that, well, that whole, place, that whole place down around the Midway, uh, the seafood, that, that whole dock area, there's a place called mm-hmm. Humphreys Half Moon I used to stay at down there. Man, one of my favorite places in the world. I love just... Uh, not so much, you know, go there just to stay. It was just, it was where I, uh, hoteled out of when I would go down to Tijuana, um, or, uh, um, work up in the San Diego area. And it was just, I just remember delicious seafood and yeah. what a nice experience it was. Well, it's definitely beautiful there. I, I would never want to move back. Um, I was born and raised, but not, you know, the California mentality is n- not mine. <laughs> Yeah. But uh but I'll definitely visit I got family out there and stuff like that. So I love to go out there and visit and see my old stomping grounds. But yeah, other than that, as far as moving or going back to that, no, I would never do that. I'm I'm more uh, moving in your direction. Um Mississippi's probably gonna be our, our end goal before have too you long. Been, so. Have you been to Mississippi? Yes. Yeah, I've been to Mississippi. We got uh, my wife has family out there and we have some property out there. Oh cool. Which part? Um, um Hurley. North, central, south, Mississippi? Uh, I think it's more towards the south, yeah. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've spent a lot of time down in in mid and south Mississippi. Uh very 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 nice people down there. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. I mean, uh, I was there when the, when the allergies were at their, you know, <laughs> the strongest, you know, all the pollen count and whatnot, but not the allergies, um, it's the rattlesnakes and crocodiles or alligators. Yeah, but anyway. Right. <laughs> tornadoes. Yeah, right, right, right. Hurricanes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful it's beautiful um I hope, hopefully we'll, we'll get to there in the next next couple of years and uh we could really get rooted for the kids you know i've i've moved around a lot growing up and i know how much that sucks trying to you know bouncing around from school to school to school to school right and each one is on a different curriculum and you're trying to play catch up and some kids yeah. they don't make it um so yeah so that that's one thing i want to have for my kids is like you know we need to be in one spot for yeah. all their schooling and you know they're gonna make friends and stuff, and you can go to you know. Panama City or Gulf Shores every year for vacation too. Right, Gulf Shores. That's, that's actually where, where our reunion's gonna be. Yeah, love. Gulf We're gonna Shores. be down there in, in uh, August. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna miss you by uh, by about thirty days. I'll be down there. So. Uh, Two shifts that pass in the night, brother. Yeah, next time, huh? <laughs> next, time. next time. I'll be in Destin, Florida. Uh, I think when you're in Gulf Shores, if I got our dates right, when we're going to be there, but I'll be an hour and a half from you, nah. and I'll be eating seafood towers. So you do your own thing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll probably be cooking for like thirty people. <laughs> That's a good thing. You're good at yeah. that. Yeah, they like it. <laughs> James, what's going on in the world of James next uh, couple weeks? Well, we, you know, we got projects after the blade. There's always projects. So. More knives to make. Oh, absolutely. Going to the flea markets tomorrow to see if I can't find any good materials. What do you look for in materials <laughs> when you're there like that? Uh, I'm looking for deer antlers and antique fowls. Gotcha. Uh, those are those are my two things. You know, sometimes you run across blacksmith tools. Never pass up blacksmith tools. Now, do you uh, do you um, do you go for the farrier uh, files too, or you stay away from those or? I still I avoid those like the plague, and I know there's a lot of people that love them. I'm not a big fan. That's the reason I asked. Um, they're made to cut softer materials, um, so they don't have to be the same kind of steel as uh, as a good machine file. Right. I mean, uh, you, you take a good machine file, like a, a Nicholson made before 1981, they were like 1.27% carbon. They were super steel. You know what a super steel was, um, but your Perrier's files, some of them are good, and some of them are just not. Yeah. Um, but I avoid those, and uh, I'm looking for the old USA made files. Well, when you when you uh, when you're finding handle material, and I know you use a lot of antler, uh, but when you're using wood, are you do you find wood and you know scrap wood like that that you uh, use or are you are you buying stabilized wood or what are you typically going for when you're looking at handle material? I stabilize my own wood, Do you? so I'm looking for stuff that I can stabilize. Gotcha. Uh, um, I was down in Florida uh, a few months ago and visited this guy who sold uh, old wood, and he had some burl slabs from oak, hmm. and. I didn't get just a handful of handles out of those giant slabs because they were so funky and worm eaten. But what did come off of it was just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and that's. Do you kind sell of, your stabilized wood? Yes. I stabilize my wood and my antlers. Okay. And uh, where do you sell your stabilized wood? 
Uh, uh, I use the cactus juice and um, uh, vacuum chamber. Yeah, but where do you sell it? Oh, I do not. You sell it on the internet? Or? I, I, don't, I don't sell it. It's like my Damascus. I kind of want to see it to the end. <laughs> okay. Oh, so you're hoarding them, huh? I hoard it. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to see it to the end. I kind of got a lot invested in it just, you know, in time. I want to see it to the end. Now, Otis here's got some Brazilian connections here now. And uh, now the reason I ask is because every now and then I'll buy some stabilized wood uh, on eBay, uh-huh. and it is from uh, some uh, somebody in Alabama. So you know, I thought, okay, it might have been you that I was buying it from, but uh, okay, since you're a hoarder, I, I guess not. I'm a 100% hoarder on that stuff. <laughs> now, do you do you is your uh, vacuum chamber and all that? I've been looking at some vacuum chambers. Um, is it very expensive setup you've got? Is it pretty basic it's, and not? not it's different? pretty big. If you're gonna buy one, get get at least a three gallon. And yeah. the reason for that is you want to put a chamber, uh, a, t- a pot inside the container. Right. And what, what that'll do because it's gonna bubble up on you, it's gonna foam, and that foam will completely run your pump. So have, gotcha. having a, a pot inside that just lets it run over. So it don't get stuck overflow cat trap. And also, uh, you'll see chambers that's got uh, grass tops. Uh, some mm-hmm. of those are not compatible with the resins, and they will crack. I know that from gotcha. experience. So go go with somebody that's selling cactus juice, or or somebody that recommends cactus juice. It will save you headaches. Sounds like it, because I know you can buy anything on Amazon, but sometimes that just creates more headaches. Yeah, so sometimes you don't save money when you're trying to get cheap. What is the uh, what is the uh, weight difference from uh, a pit, a block of wood pre and post stabilizing? Because I know it gains a little uh, bit of mass, but how how much mass do you do you gain? It depends on the material. Uh, if you get something that's really punky, like that oak I was working with, it could double in weight. If you're using something that's pretty pretty solid, like cherry, it might only be 10 percent. Uh, it it just varies with the wood. Okay, All right. I have a relative from Hawaii that sent me uh, forty pounds of koa, and uh, I, that's why I'm looking at wanting to stabilize it and. Use it over time. Yeah, you have to be real careful with that. Some of those woods are not compatible. Oh, really? With yes. I heard that uh, coal is not uh, uh, stabilizable. I don't know if that's a word. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. So. Yeah, it's sort of like a ebony or African black wood or so you have iron to use wood. It, use it as it is. It'll be use fine. Use it as is. Yeah, just be careful. Mm-hmm. you got to do some... Uh, I, I heard some people use a different word, like a museum fit or heirloom fit. Because uh-huh. they have a tendency to shrink a little bit, yeah. And I think coal is one of those. I don't know if it will shrink like ebony did on on a few of my knives, yeah. Uh, but I don't believe uh, uh, coal is uh, stabilizable. I'll have to look into it. Some of those woods are, but it requires a pressure chamber and a mm-hmm. different kind of resin, <clears throat> right? Um, coa can be stabilized that way, but for cactus juice, it won't. Well, that's good to know. Um, ebony can't be stabilized, and I've sworn off of it because of what happened to you. Yeah, yeah, I, I will not use ebony anymore. 
Yeah, I don't either. Beautiful wood looks like a big old bar of chocolate. You want to take a bite out of the thing, but you know, he shrunk, I would say, at least half a mil. And is enough that you can feel the ridge of your full tank going around it. And on another one that I made uh, a hidden tank, you know, it went, I had a flush fit on my guard and it went below the guard. So right now it's kind of, you, you can feel a little lip in there. It's not enough that it's super noticeable for somebody who doesn't understand a lot about knives. But for me, I'm really OCD about these things, and you know, I kind of okay, forget it. I'm not using ebony anymore. Yeah, that, that, that's my experience with it. Yeah. Well, Otisir, um, I've been waiting for you to tell this story tonight because I want everybody to hear about it because it was something else when I heard it for the first time. But James, did you know that uh, Otisir has, uh, you know, in Hawaii, if you're brushed by a tiger sharp out in the water it's supposed to be some type oh, of good luck go. come on man um, <laughs> but uh Odysseer holding his horse's reins and wearing his loincloth <laughs> touched touched a black jaguar in the forest of brazil while his brother was off gathering nuts <laughs> tell us the story Odysseer. then we can hear you two weeks all uh, right so i didn't touch it so it was a good Hey, when I'm done with the story, you were hugging no, I, it. You were hugging okay, it. Okay, okay. So uh, we were going from the, the farmhouse to uh, a separate piece of property a few miles away. We were on a horseback. Uh, it was my brother-in-law, me, two horses, and my German shepherd. At some point on the trip, uh, my brother-in-law said, okay, let's stop here. And um, I'll go grab some uh, wild guavas. Um, I don't know if you all know what guava is, but it's a delicious fruit. And there was a, a, a tree off the trail. And when I say trail, is you know, good enough for uh, two horses side by side. Uh, but it's very thick, thick jungle. When, you, when I say jungle, I mean... Apocalypto. Amazon. Am, yeah, Apocalypto kind of deal, jungle. And really, really thick. You can't really see hardly, you know, into the woods because of the, uh, you know, very dense, dense forest, right? Rainforest. So he'll go walking out to grab some guavas. And from my right, I started hitting a little, you know, little little crunching of leaves and things now back then i must have been what five years old maybe six and i'm just sitting on a horse and my holding the, my my uh, brother-in-law's horse and dogs over there and this beautiful black jaguar i would say a good 15 yards in front of me just Cross the trail, stop right in front of me, give me a a, a, a a bit of a look. Those beautiful amber eyes, and it flicked the tail and kept on moving. My German Shepherd went right after it, and it probably treated uh, a good, you know, 40, 50 yards 
into the tree line because the, the, the dog barking just stopped at one point. I would say about 50 yards. At this point, my brother-in-law is walking back from, the, from his uh, fruit gathering expedition. And, you know, a few minutes later, here comes the dog back and we were able to uh, move on our way, right? Kept on going to, the, uh, to our final destination there. But it was something I will remember vividly for forever, right? It's one of those things that you don't get to forget. A yeah. beautiful black cat, that big. So you know in where the you wild. You know where you came into uh, Blade Show and they had the stairs going up both ways. That's when the security got involved. You heard about the guy that was over there screaming, "I am Jaguar Paw," and he was yelling at the crowd and. I think, you know, his loincloth, that, 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 was, that was Otis here over there. Otis here, Jaguar, Paul, Pinto. So. so, yeah. Well, Eric, I've saved you for next to last because you're going to be uh, assembling some uh, some wood, I hear, over the next week or two in the heat. Yeah, definitely going to be working on getting this shop built and working on these few knives. I've got the kukri that we're doing for the shop talk tuesday build series and then i've got an uh an heirloom knife that i'm working on uh which i thought was cool that james was talking about the files and stuff like that you know every once in a while i'll take on a commission piece where i turn someone's father's or grandfather's file into a knife for them and they hand it down to their sons and uh i love love stuff like that and the history behind them and I'm working on one of those right now. So I'll have the first part of that two-part series that'll come out on Sunday. And uh, the second part, finishing it, will come out the Sunday after that. So that'll be two Sundays in a row. We'll do a, a quick build, which is going to be pretty cool. And, uh, and then we're going to have the kukri, of course. And then in between a couple of different steps on the kukri, I'll do a, a shop update video. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about these next couple of weeks. You know, I really, really, really want my shop back and, uh, I want to be able to, you're going to get it. Uh, well, yeah. I'm really yes. excited about your new internet yes, yeah. me too. <laughs> <laughs> and just right. so you guys that are on the podcast, when all this comes downloaded in, it comes in just fine. You don't hear the gaps, but we're sitting here hanging on these words that are like, I am going to. So we have to listen to the podcast to find out what Eric was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that's what he said. That's what he that's said. Awesome. Okay. That's I got it. So yeah, we're all looking forward to it. It'd be a new we're experience all, for us. Yeah. We're looking to new, new internet at the Eric Rivers house. And, uh, the the young <laughs> the young oldest ward of Eric Rivers has received uh, a box full of unpainted fishing lures and fishing lure yep. eyes. So is he becoming the uh, I, I for you guys don't know I sent uh, uh, a bunch of unpainted fishing lures to to Eric's son. So is he on his way to becoming the lure king of Texas? Yes, he is. He's got a lot going on with those. He opened that box and absolutely was drooling. He is so excited about working with them, and he's already started. So it's uh, it's it's pretty cool, well, good and deal. I'll give y'all updates. Well, I will tell you, um, 
on the lips on those crankbaits, uh, you can wrap them in aluminum foil and uh, pinch them down to where you don't want the paint uh, to go. Or you can just tape them up with a little blue tape, and uh, if you spray paint them or whatever, that keeps nice, clear lips. I, uh, I When I gave them away, I almost felt like I was giving away a little bit of my past, uh, but that past has been sitting there for 10 years <laughs> waiting for somebody else to, to, Way to pick it up. And start oh, yeah. somebody else's future. Yeah, so I hope he enjoys them. Well, guys, uh, I tell you what, I've got uh, uh, next couple weeks for me, you know, I've got all this new equipment that's come in. I've got to learn how to use it. Um, not an expert, so it's uh, it's going to be a learning curve. I've got some guys I'm getting ready to start some uh, knives for, and I'm going to ask them actually to hold off until I get this grinder so that I can uh, use do their knives uh, first on that one. Um, I uh, turned out a really couple nice fleshers. I've I always say I've got five left. Well, I've got eight left now because somebody just ordered three more of them. Uh, wow. So I guess, you know, who who would have figured? It's a cute little knife. but wow. um, and, and each one looks a little nicer. But the one I just finished, uh, somebody saw it and wanted three of them. So uh, I'll be getting ready to cut those out. I got some um, <clears throat> 80, uh, 8670 from Pops. Uh, this this week uh, that's going to turn out it's enough to finish all those knives if I don't get any more orders so I haven't used uh, that steel to make any of these knives I'm sure it'll turn out fine because everybody I've seen uh, using it has been very pleased with it so uh, I'll be using some pops 8670 and heat treating it in a majestic forge majestic forge is owned and operated by Brian and Kayla Horn in Rushville Ohio with many years of experience manufacturing two to five burner gas forges, Majestic Forge is your number one source for blacksmith forges, barrier forges, and specialty forges. They are dedicated to creating top of the line forges at a price you can afford. Majestic Forge has supplied forges to blacksmith schools, high schools, colleges, production shops, and TV shows such as Mythbusters. And Majestic Forge is the forge of choice for televisions forged in fire. Knife makers are in luck as they offer forges that come with two or three deluxe burners. Here at Knives Templars, we are sure that you can find a USA-made Majestic Forge to suit your needs. Check out your next forge at MajesticForge.com. So yeah, like I said, I'm going to be heat treating that steel in a Majestic Forge and... Uh... And uh, then I'll be, and I love the uniformity I get with that. So when I go to uh, acid uh, etch those, uh, I'm anxious to see how that 8670 turns out because I know Eric had some comments on uh, doing the homones and everything with 8670. But here I'll just be dipping them and just just darkening the color and see how that goes. Other than that, got a little bit of traveling to do and uh, and just enjoying knife making and making podcasts and hanging out with guys like y'all. So that that's kind of the extent for me. Um, anybody else got any closing comments for you? Uh, let her rip today. Got a question for Eric. Uh, yeah. Do you have any decarbing when dealing with 8670? Like I experienced with ADCRV2. I tried no. using the coating that uh, Matt uh, told me about it, and it's kind of uh, I didn't get any good. Didn't get good results, so I had to re quench my blade afterwards and clean up the decarb afterwards yeah i really didn't get much decarb on there i didn't have much of an issue with that but again 
whenever I did the one with the Hamon, it had clay on it, so there really wasn't much, you know, worrying about decarb on that one, but I have done one since then, and really, nah, I don't really have much, much decarb on there. Uh, it's, uh, that one's actually pretty, pretty simple, you know, just making sure that you get your heat right, and then quench it, and you'll get a little bit of decarb, but uh, not more than you can just hand sand through it just really wasn't that bad okay well james i would like to uh welcome you to the (laughs) i don't want to sound too cocky the first class of season one of the knives templars (laughs) makers mark uh interviews and uh, so you'll always be number one in our book and uh it's been a pleasure i think we've still got a lot to learn from you and and want to learn about you because you're an interesting guy uh you're a wikipedia of carbon uh content technology (laughs) i've come to listen here and i say that complimentary that uh once you're a guest you're always a guest and you know hopefully uh, you'll say hey i'd like to come on the show sometime or we'll invite you back but uh Man, it's it's been a pleasure, and and we certainly do appreciate uh, Pops uh, working with us to get this lined up through their Facebook and website uh, to get some great makers on here. So, thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, thank you, James. Yeah, man. I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I hope it wasn't too much of a train wreck. Um, according mm-hmm. to the Forged and Fire people, I have a face made for radio. In a voice made for silent movies. <laughs> then you fit in perfectly with us, trust me. So, guys, uh, we've we've topped ten episodes now of season one. I'm not sure when you go to ep- uh, season two. Is it number eleven? Uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, more than anything, guys, thanks for tuning in. Our uh, listeners listenership is growing. We're seeing increased downloads. More people are interested in what we as a community have to say and it's all about just getting out there and telling it and having fun while we do it y'all have a blessed day and uh see you on the next episode of the knives templars All right, guys, the after show. How'd you think that went? The uh, We had our first edition of the Maker's Mark. What'd you think, hey, James? Were you comfortable? Yeah, I was comfortable. I was the first time I've ever done anything like that. You know, like I said, I did try to get on Forged and Fire yeah. three times. And I just didn't have the personality yeah. for it. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, have, I don't think I, I was have a selection process. Yeah, what, what was the selection process? Um, they're really looking for personalities. Um, and I don't have the personality When you for say it. personality, uh, what exactly are you talking about there? People who go there and make some uh, big fireballs in the quench tank or? Well, they, they do want people that do that, but uh, most of the time those are newer makers. Because, uh, you know, they, they, they get used to using canola yeah. oil, and they never use Part 50. And all of a sudden, they use Part 50 for the first time, and they got <laughs> yeah, a fireball. If they use a uh, pinto uh, sauce, they're going to blow up the house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was told the last time I, I tried to get on that they wanted makers who basically learned everything they know from the Oh, show. really? 
Hmm. Yeah. How come? But you just told me that made me yeah. feel better. <laughs> you know, I, I've never seen an episode, a full episode. I've seen excerpts here or there. I'm not criticizing the show. I think it's good for, you know, interest and all. And it's done a lot for the industry. But um, Eddie Van Halen supposedly never listened to anybody else's music. I doubt that. And and I'm no Eddie Van Halen by any means. Uh, n- not even, a, not even a, a pimple on his toe. But my point is, is that I just never really wanted to be influenced by it. So I just haven't, uh, haven't really keyed into any full episodes. But a lot of the people I've met on the show, pretty darn good people. Yeah, there's 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 not a whole lot of get influenced off that show because you really don't you really don't see a lot of what they're doing. It's I mean it's you you've got a week's worth of work crammed into you know thirty right. minutes, and that, that's one of the little, little secrets of the show is when you go on there, you got to take uh, three changes of clothes, all identical. Oh wow! So the guy so the guy that went on there with 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 all the cats yeah. on his shirt. He had three of those. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's like man. when they're doing the episodes and they're outside with the coal and the sunlight and they're wearing the same outfits. And then they're, okay, we're in the studio now and they're wearing the same clothes and it's all dry and miraculous. <laughs> it all makes sense now. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I had, I had a friend that was going on that show and I, I told him, I said, I said, now when you get in there and you heat treat your blade, turn off the back two burners and choke it down. And he's like, okay, I'll do that. Because that's the mistake they always make. Mm-hmm. They, they don't think yeah. to do that. And, and his was a Cold, a cold Forge episode. <laughs> <laughs> Turned off them burners. So, huh? uh, Rich, where's the uh, – you, uh, you're, a, you're a light horse tonight, man. I didn't hear you pop any tops. Oh, I, did. I only had the one. Like, I was Is being honest. Is it still honest. daylight out there in, Cal- in, in Colorado? Oh, it's, it's fading. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's it's been about nine thirty. I think it's going to be getting fully dark. But yeah, we still got some light here. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, cool. What'd you eat for dinner tonight? I didn't eat anything for dinner tonight. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they were late making it, and uh, I was going to be late here, so I decided not to eat. You, we would have let you (laughs) while we were Uh, all eating. (laughs) It would have been fine. Yeah, like I said, you're a comic relief, and I I, I mean that with with uh, uh, sincerity. You're a funny, funny guy. Just don't come <laughs> on here. Echo, just don't come on here echoing. Well, I'm I'm hey, glad we got that solved. How do we How do we fix your echo next time? It was your echo cancellation thing. Man, look at you and I. We we we've bonded. We've learned something together. <laughs> <laughs> we'll learn how it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying Team this. <laughs> so Eric, uh, are you working on the? Are you working on your shop all weekend or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just gonna be working on the, the shop and really. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't know <laughs> what on. you're saying okay. right now. You're frozen, but when I'm it comes, I'm going to break it down <laughs> slow. But when it comes to later, we'll hear everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> I'll type it. Don't in. worry about it. You don't have to repeat it. We'll hear it later. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the beauty of it, because you know when we're recording the podcast, we don't get the we know the podcast. So the fact that you break up occasionally, the podcast is like a whole different podcast, and we actually get to hear it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pinto, what are you doing, oh, man? Wow. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, got a family uh, dinner tomorrow, and you Sunday seem excited and, about that. Yeah, you know. 
one of those things. Yeah. I'd rather not, but, you know, have to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really a very sociable guy outside of my immediate little group. Yeah. And um, well, I'm very thankful I got that pinto hug down in Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't don't get used to it. <laughs> the doors are opening. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then on Sunday I'll be finishing that knife. I just finished um, my second tamper cycle. I'll mm-hmm. be grinding the the whole thing. This one I did it in reverse. I had my um, uh, my profile done and my uh the, the pinholes are, are there and then i hardened and did uh, the tempering and and then only then on sunday i'll be grinding everything yeah so hopefully i'll be able to finish that on sunday this one is already sold and i need to get it going real quick otherwise i can't start on that uh, damascus that i want to well do. you may want to be careful and watch your pinto sauce because at the cost of gas these days people are going to be stealing <laughs> that to put in their vehicle <laughs> nobody knows that i have it like a, a secret to... <laughs> well listen hey, guys. W- hey one yeah. of these days we gotta bring matthew into the uh into the pinto sauce uh. Matthew, you know what the pinto sauce is, don't no, you? No, he doesn't know. No, no. It's so later, we, 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 Yeah, we tell him later. Oh, I'm, oh, yeah, we can't divulge what the pinto sauce is. Yeah, we can't is. divulge, yeah. James, I'm sorry. I'm you'll, have to, you'll have to communicate with pinto offline yeah, uh, uh, I, or, I, I, or, or I, online, and he can divulge. Because uh, when he told us, we all went, do what? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll tell what pinto sauce is on episode 100. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, guys. Um, how <laughs> Uh, is everybody on here a father? Yes. Happy Father's Happy Father's Day to each and every one of you. Uh, happy Father's um, Day. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Uh, you earned the right, and uh, and I know that uh, you guys that I do know, uh, and I see you interacting with your children, James. I saw your pictures with your family. Um, you know, it's it's good that we do what we do. We're providing the future for for those folks to be good, respectful citizens and, and know what love is and, and know what, uh, know what a kind world is in a world that's not so kind. So kudos to you. you it's earned been, your uh, it's been going nuts, man. It has. Lately yeah. here in Maryland, it's been going crazy. Yeah. And now with the summer rolling in, people are going absolutely bananas. Okay. Yeah. And I say this without hesitation people are going crazy around here i don't know if something in the water if it's the heat or people are just losing uh whatever uh little we're all love for neighbors that they used to be yeah it's gone it's completely gone we're all ready for change that's for sure hey listen i'm gonna don't hang up anybody but we are done brought to you by podcast productions oinky oinky oinky